Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. We've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. You guys can take your seat. You'll be back up again in a second, so rest those weary legs. What a start to the new year, hey? Part of our vision statement says this. It says, buildings will struggle to take the increase of what God is doing. Now have a look around. Buildings will struggle because you get what you declare. You get what you speak. You get what you expect. And this is incredible. I want to say a big thank you to all the youth, young adults for perching on the floor. And um, big welcome, as Steve said already, to everyone online. There's chairs set up in the atrium outside, people watching on the screen out there. So big welcome to everyone. Let's say a big welcome to everyone in the overflow this afternoon, this morning. Great to have you with us. Pays to get here early for church, doesn't it? I feel like revivals come six weeks early. Six weeks early, how good is this? 55 days to go. 55 days to go before we move into our new building and just, just amazed at what God is doing and so grateful. So, are you all good? Well, from time to time, it happens to all of us. Whoever just keeps going and going and going and after a while you realize you're not quite as effective as you were. Anyone just keep going, just keep, keep working. And coming to church can become an appointment in your diary rather than something you enjoy. We lose passion for our personal devotion and even people seem to rub us up the wrong way. And what happens is we lose our edge. We lose our edge. And so for the next 21 days, I'm declaring over our church from tomorrow a prayer and fast season. And I'm calling it Fast Forward because I believe that prayer and fasting actually forwards, speeds things up in our lives. King Solomon wrote this. He said in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, he said, if the ax is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then you must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. If we want, wisdom, if we want success in 2024, and I'm pretty sure the majority of you do, then we need to apply wisdom to our lives. And we regain our edge in life the same way that you regain the edge on an axe. You stop. And you carefully apply the right tools. And prayer and fasting is simply a season of applying the right tools so we can accomplish what God has for us this year. I want to begin with a story by the famous author Stephen Covey. He tells of a, an annual lumberjack competition. And the final was between an older, experienced lumberjack and a younger, stronger lumberjack. The rule of the competition was quite simply, whoever could fell the most trees in the day was the winner. The younger lumberjack was full of enthusiasm. He went off into the woods and he set to work straight away. He worked all through the day and he even decided to work through the night. As he worked, he could hear the older lumberjack working to another part of the forest, but he felt confident with every tree that he felled, 
that he would win the comp. At regular intervals throughout the day, the noise of trees being felled coming from the other part of the forest would suddenly stop. The younger lumberjack, he would take heart, knowing that this meant the older lumberjack was taking a rest where he could use his superior youth and strength and stamina to keep going. At the end of the competition, the younger lumberjack felt confident he had won. He looked so confident that he went on top of the podium. Because in front of him were piles of felled trees as a result of his superhuman effort. As he stood on the podium, expected to be awarded the prize, next to him stood the older lumberjack, who looked surprisingly less exhausted than he felt. When the results were read out, he was devastated to hear the older lumberjack had chopped down significantly more trees than he had. And he turned to the older lumberjack and said, how can this be? I heard you take a rest every hour and I work continuously through the night. Once more, I am stronger and I am fitter than you, old man. The older lumberjacker turned to him and said, every hour I took a break to rest and sharpen my axe. 2024 is set to be our greatest year yet. But we have got to take time, take time to break, to pray, and to fast, and to sharpen our acts. As we look through the Bible, this isn't something that is a new thing throughout scriptures. All the greats in the Bible, they fasted. Moses, David, Nehemiah, Daniel, Elijah, Paul, Peter, and of course, Jesus himself. I don't believe that Jesus would have been able to accomplish all the things that were set out for him if he had not had that discipline of prayer and fasting. And out of 365 days, 21 days is not a long time to take a break from our routine and experience, I believe, what will be a fresh encounter with God for 2024. And this 21 days will set us up for the whole of this new year. Someone asked me recently, John, what does, what does fasting, praying and fasting accomplish? I thought the best way to explain it would, would be it draws us closer to God. If I want to get to know Chantel more, here's what I've got to do. I've got to put my work aside. I've got to put my responsibilities aside. And I've got to pick up my main responsibility, which is to my wife, and spend some time with her. And when I spend some time with her, here's what I do. I hear her heart. And when we, when we take some time out and we, 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 we pray and we fast, here's what we have. We start hearing God's heart for our lives. Now, fasting is not a requirement of a Christian. It's a choice. We choose to break away from our daily routines in order to draw closer to Jesus. And fasting is a short-term season that releases long-term rewards in our lives. And what happens is we feed our spirit but we neglect our flesh. Who knows that our flesh has been screaming at us over the past 21 days? Anyone else got taken over by the heroes and the celebrations I did? They're screaming at me every time I walk past them, open me, taste me, try me, enjoy me. And in this 21 days, our lives have been constantly driven by our flesh, which is what we want and when we want it. But God is saying, I want you to neglect your flesh and receive my spirit. 
Now, every, uh, you know, many of us are looking for a word for the new year, and in three weeks' time, Chantelle and I are going to speak the word that God's given us for our church for, for 2024 over, Vision Sunday, on the 28th of January, date for your diary. We're going to hire some plastic chairs from somewhere and get everyone in, but that's definitely not a date to miss. It's the, it's the Vision Sunday for the year. But God gives a promise, but it always requires a process. I'm going to put a little formula on the screen, but... Promise plus process equals power. I don't know about you, I'm good with the promise and I'm definitely good with the power. I want to see the power of God at work in my life. And I'm very good with him making a promise, but the challenge is the process. The process between his promise and his power. And often that process requires prayer and it requires fasting. It's very easy to delete the verses in the Bible that say, wait upon the Lord. Because it's the process. And fasting and praying is part of that waiting upon the Lord. And it's just a few thoughts when it comes to pray, praying and fasting. And this is not my message today. This is just a little appetizer as you won't be getting one for the next 21 days. <laughs> the process, okay, four things quickly. We've got to make our minds up. You don't commit to run a marathon after the gun's gone off. You've got to make a commitment that I'm in. Okay, I'm going to just jump in this. I'm not quite sure I get it, but at the start of 24, 2024, I want to regain my edge. Who needs to regain their edge? I need to regain my edge. I've been going hard, and Chantal and I and the fam, we've been going hard over these last 12 months, and we want to take this time out to really regain our edge. You've got to make your mind up. Second thing is you've got to take action. You've got to speak it out, step out in faith. The old cliche goes... Do something you've never done before and see some things you will never see before. You've got to try something new in the new year. Someone said to me a while back, they said, fasting doesn't work. I said, have you ever tried it? They said, no. I said, of course it won't work. <laughs> you've got to try it when you try some things you've never done before. But John, I love food. I've never met anyone who doesn't. You know, we all love food. We all, we all love these things, but got to take action. Thirdly is this, you've got to commit to prayer. I said this last week, but fasting without prayer is a diet. If you want a diet, you can join the Atkins one, Slimming World. There's plenty out there you can Google. But this isn't a diet. This is a time where we refresh our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. So we commit to prayer. And one of the things we do in those moments where we, we feel the flesh screaming, we ask God for his strength and we begin to pray. And someone also said, well, what, John, what about if I just pray? Isn't that enough? Sadly not, because Mark 9.29 says that this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There are certain things in our life that need to be shifted and it's prayer and fasting that shifts them. We see it every year. We've got some things of our new building that we need to shift. We need them to shift and we need them to shift quite quickly. But I'm believing in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, things are going to be, get, be able to shift. And so I want to encourage you, no one's cheering, but it's okay. Let's see if you're cheering next week. Commit to prayer. Number four is this, you've got to stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Temptation will come in form of a pizza. Or a whisper bar. The whisper bar will be screaming at you. You've got to have a determination. You're going to stick to the plan. And so I'm going to ask the, the amazing host team. We're going to take some time right now. We're going to hand out this card. And it says, fast forward 
in the top. And I talk about why we fast to give an explanation, but also I want to share some practical tips. Now, the first practical tip is this, because there are many different ways you can fast. Some people do a full fast, which is refraining from eating any food and only drinking water. Then there's the partial fast, letting go of certain foods. I think sugar would be a really good one to let go of, cakes, pastries, um, chocolate, Haribos, oh my word. (laughs) It's the one that looks like an egg, it always gets me. How good is that one? I'll buy a whole pack of Haribos just for the eggs. Anyone here? Then there's the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast can be found in the book of Daniel where you eat fruits, vegetables, and rice, things that come out of the ground. That doesn't include cocoa. (laughs) I've heard it all. Trust me, I've been doing this for 20 years. So, Intermittent fasting. Eat only between certain hours. And then, this is a really good one, electronics fast. Limit your electronics when it comes to maybe your PlayStation or maybe your social media, but just... Create some space in your life. Here's what I found. When you create space, God will fill it. But you have to create space for God, his spirit to move. And so I say this every year, but if you have any medical conditions, it's important that you follow medical advice before choosing the right plan for you. Okay, so don't go to your doctor and say, Pastor John said. Okay, please don't do that. That's not going to help any of us move forward. Okay, so all right. Should we pray? Can we stand and I want us to hold that card and I'm believing as a church. Oh, slow getting up, isn't it? First one of the year. Still going. Should we pray? And let's, let's believe God as we go on this fast together that we're going to see mountains move. We're going to see things shifting. Now, who needs something to shift in this 21 days? Who's got a family member away from God? Who's got a bill that they need to be paid? A, a sickness, believing God to move in. So come on, Father God, we we hold this card in our hands and we thank you, Lord, that you want to fast track, fast forward areas of our lives. And there are things, Father God, as you said in the Gospel of Mark, that there's certain things that can only be shifted by prayer and fasting. So we commit to prayer. We commit to drawing closer to you, denying our flesh and so our spirit comes alive. We pray for, for clarity in our thoughts. We pray for, for new dreams to be birthed. We pray for shifting of mountains and, and, and obstacles in our lives. Father, we receive your spirit afresh. Lord, give us the strength to put this plan into action. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. At the start of most years, many of us will attempt some New Year's resolutions. Has anyone attempted a New Year's resolution? Anyone brave enough to tell me what their New Year's resolution is going to be? Lose weight. I think everyone's hands up. Don't procrastinate is exactly what you were saying right there. Eat less. Eat less. Well, I hope the last five minutes has helped you. Go on more walks. Get the steps in. Last one. 100K ultra marathon. Wow, that's amazing. Alan Cooper would like to train you for that. 
There we go. Fantastic. Come on, I think that deserves a, 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 a uh, probably a massage. That's incredible. 100K. Often we want to get fit, don't we? Eat less, spend less, exercise more, save more. The list goes on. And we start off well. And then around about April, Easter time, things begin to fall away. And we lose the passion. We, we maybe we drop off. And in November of this year, of last year, sorry, Chantal and I, we watched a film. Now, often we watch a box set or a film, and they come and they go. And then sometimes a film has a, um, a deep impact on our lives. And the film that I'm about to share has definitely had an impact. And as, as I watched it, I felt God speak to me clearly about this day. The film was called Jesus Revolution. Has anyone watched that film? It's, it's available on um, Amazon Prime. But I would encourage you, and I don't often encourage people to watch films from church, but that's definitely a film I'd love our church to watch if you're able. But it's a, a true story about a bunch of hippies in California who got radically saved and sold out for Jesus in the 60s and 70s. And it became quickly known as the Jesus Movement. What started in California spread over 15 to 20 years across the whole of the globe. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of young people especially and young adults, including my own dad, found radical faith in Christ through the Jesus Movement. And as I watched the film, I pulled out my phone and I started asking myself why. Why was God moving in such a radical, transformational, life-changing way in California? Maybe he liked the sunshine. Maybe he liked the sun. He thought, well, I, but why did they experience a move of God? And then I started asking the second question, how? How could we as a church family and a community, and by the way, I do believe we are experiencing a move of God, but I don't want to settle for what we're experiencing. I mean, just look around you. Many of you pray that God would fill buildings. It's happening. It's happening right here. But I don't believe we've even touched or tasted what God has for us. So I began to ask how. Because as I watched this film, there was a passion so raw and contagious. These young people were unashamedly sold out to Jesus Christ. They didn't care what anybody thought of their faith. They were not closet Christians. They were passionate, unashamed Christians for Jesus. In fact, they called themselves Jesus freaks. There was a Jesus freak movement. Songs would break out. And at the close of 23, I felt God say to Chantal and I, don't set New Year's resolutions, ask me for a revolution. I want to begin a series today called New Year's Revolution. New Year's Revolution. On the back of your card, fasting on the front, this is your, your card for the next six weeks. This is your message notes. I felt God show me as I watched this film, and then as I read the book of Acts simultaneously, I saw 10, 10 hallmarks of a Jesus revolution. 10 hallmarks in the book of Acts with exactly the same, the 10 hallmarks in the Jesus movement. 
Receive the revelation of the grace of God, which is today. Expect signs and wonders. Value the weak, the broken, the vulnerable, the poor. Operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. Let go of sin. Uphold the name of Jesus. Treasure God's word. Invite the lost home. Offer continual hospitality. And they had a non-stop devotion to prayer. Chantal and I's heart, I believe, if we were to put these 10 hallmarks into practice in our lives, not resolutions, we would experience a revolution. We would experience a revolution. Because these were no different to what the early church in the book of Acts experienced when thousands of people were added daily to the church. So I wrote down these 10 hallmarks and my prayer as that film ended was this, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. And so I want to kick off today with this first hallmark of a Jesus revolution. Receive the revelation of the grace of God. Receive a revelation. We need a Jesus revolution in this nation in 2024. There is no doubt about it. Revolution, it means dramatic change or turnaround. Who needs a dramatic change? or turnaround in their life, a dramatic change, something to shift and break. And if you're saying, John, I refuse to settle, I know that there is more, and Jesus, I want to see a revolution. I'm not interested in setting little petty resolutions, but I want to see in my lifetime a revolution of Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing in 30 years, 40 years, if they made a story about Norwich? Can you imagine if a film was made about what we're experiencing right now? All we have to do is put the 10 hallmarks. I'm not interested in the film, but I'm interested in the revolution. That God would pour his spirit out in a new way. If you're believing for revolution, I'm going to share these 10 hallmarks. The first revolution is this. We've got to receive a revelation of the grace of God. In the book of Acts chapter 20... The first hallmark of the early church and the Jesus movement was this. They heard the gospel of grace. I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We have what we have received, we have a responsibility to tell. Has anybody ever experienced the grace of God in their lives? Come on, is anyone grateful for God's grace? What is grace? It is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in our lives where God gives us what we don't deserve. And these hippies, these hippies, these sin-loving hippies had lived their whole lives thinking that there could never be a God that would love them, save them, set them free from addictions of cocaine and marijuana and all the various things that are unfolded in the film. There could never be anyone that could love them just the way they are. And then they experienced a revolution of God's grace and everything turned around. As a small boy, one of my favorite Bible stories next to, next to David and Goliath was of Zacchaeus who climbed a sycamore tree in hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesus. But it's not just a story, it's a story of grace. It's a story of a grace revolution. That's the title of my message today. 
grace revolution. Luke chapter 19, it says Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. To this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to the save the lost. Some of you may not be familiar with Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus was a proper sinner. He was a tax collector, but he was corrupt. He was, he was a crook. He deserved nothing from Jesus that day. He went to the spot where he heard that Jesus was in town and he climbed a sycamore tree and Jesus spots him. And instead of giving him the Ten Commandments, which maybe others had given to him before, Jesus showed him something that he didn't deserve, which was his grace. And he invited himself for supper to Zacchaeus' house. Has anyone ever invited themselves around your house for supper? <laughs> Jesus broke some protocol in this moment. He invited himself. But this was a grace revolution for Zacchaeus. The first hallmark of the Jesus movement, the Jesus resolution, was an understanding of God's grace in people's lives. And there are four aspects of a grace revolution I want to grasp as, the, as, as we unpack this message for the new year. The first is this, grace can do more for you than sin has done to you. Grace can do more for you than sin has done to you. Zacchaeus, the Bible says he was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy. He was a fraud. He'd robbed single mums. He, he was an awful man. Sin had completely messed him up. He was a con man. He was, he was undeserving of anything. He was undeserving of anyone. And then Jesus shows up. Sin had messed him up. Then Jesus shows up. And there is only one thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There is only one thing on earth more powerful than sin, and that's God's grace. That's God's grace. Whatever mistake you've made, whatever you've smoked, whatever you've been, whatever you've stole, whatever lie you've told, whatever has happened in your life, there is something even more powerful than sin, and that is God's grace. God's grace. Of all the people in the crowd, of all the people Jesus could have called out, he chose the least deserving guy and he called him by name. Whatever sin has done in your life, God's grace can redeem you today. Whatever happened last year, whatever mistake is haunting you today, I want to encourage you today that God's grace is enough. Sin had messed Zacchaeus up. Sin had messed these young hippies up in this, in this film. When you watch it, you'll see them drink driving and all sorts of crazy things that they were doing and they were living in shame. Alcohol abuse. 
Sin had messed them up and sin had messed up the world. And we're going to talk in a few weeks' time about sin and the power of sin in a person's life. But there is one thing that's more greater, more powerful than sin, and that is God's grace. And as a church, we want to make sure that we're always sharing the good news. Because the good news is more powerful than sin. We know sin is a powerful force in the world, but there is a more powerful force, and his name is Jesus. Jesus comes along and says, whatever a sin has done for you, my grace can do more for you. In 2001, I was living in Sydney, Australia, where um, Chantel chased me for six months, and it was difficult, but eventually I said yes, and Trust me, that was very much the other way around. <laughs> but in the first few weeks, my, um, my newfound Bible school colleagues, philosophers of the Word of God, scholars, we played a prank on some other students that backfired quite badly. And we were hauled into the vice principal's office, and we were pretty much sure that we were on the next flight home. We were, in fact, we were very sure. Because... Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the right thing. And if you want any details, you can speak to Chantel. But <laughs> when we walked in in that moment, I was convinced that that was it. And in my head, I could see me stepping on back onto a plane and flying all the way back to London from Sydney and walking back home with shame, into church with shame, kicked out of Bible school. And I remember I walked into that principal's office and he sat me down and explained all the rules and all the things and all the, but he said I want you to know he said I still believe in you he said I still believe in you and he said this I'm going to give you another chance wow now I know I know for a fact if he had not shown me grace his name was Mark Hopkins if he had not shown me grace in that moment I would not be standing here today I would not be married to Chantel because you see, grace is more powerful than sin. It's the grace of God that leads people to repentance. And often we want to throw the book at them and the law and you should have done that and you should have done this. And, and God, Jesus comes along to Zacchaeus and he teaches us all this really important lesson. He says, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to point a finger at you. All I want you to do is step out of the tree. Let's go and have some dinner and let's talk about it. And I am so grateful for people who've shown me grace. So, so, so grateful. In season five, we're going to talk about the destructive power of sin, and we're not going to go soft on sin because sin destroys people's lives. And in fact, Steve's going to deal with that because that's, that's next level stuff. You see, the problem in our world is not people, it's not politics, it's sin. But the good news is the solution is grace. God's grace. Some of us today feel like we can't go past our shame. Some of you are even ready to give up. The rate of suicide today feels like every week I hear about someone or read about someone who's let go of their own life, ready to throw in the towel. Could it be they haven't heard the gospel of grace? That there is hope. That there is hope. 
And on this platform, however bad it is, God's grace is bigger. The great thing about God is if you throw in the towel, he always hands you another one. He's got another towel for someone today. You can go again. I know you got it wrong. Trust me, God knows we got it wrong. Regardless of what you've been told, where you've been, how far you've strayed, what website you visited this week, what happened in 2003, 2023, what happened in 1986, I want to encourage you today, God's grace is greater. God's grace is bigger than your mistakes and your sin. Grace can do more for you than sin has done to you. Number two is this. Grace is received, not achieved. Jesus reached the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Who knows that he didn't deserve a guest like Jesus? He did not deserve Jesus. I reckon in that crowd, every single one of them would have had Jesus around the house for supper. Who knows it's easy to have an influence around your house for supper? But it's harder to have a sinner. One of the hardest things for people to understand is that the forgiveness of our sins is not through what we can do, but through what's already been done. Zacchaeus, he deserved punishment. In fact, the Jewish people could have stoned him. He deserved shame. He deserved guilt. He deserved everything for what he'd done. And the hippies in this film, they deserve the full force of the law. For all the laws they'd broken, the sins they committed, the crimes they'd, 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 they'd taken. And I deserve to be sent home from Bible school. But it's not about our actions or our merits. It's about his grace and his mercy. And today maybe you've come into church for the first time and you feel beaten up by your choices. You feel ashamed. You feel like you're not good enough. You're not even good enough to be sitting on a chair in a church. And let me tell you, you are in brilliant company today because none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. There, by the grace of God, go you and I. It's not about what we can do or earning his grace. Today, he just wants to cover us. His banner over us, his love. I want you to know today that you're loved. If you've received Christ as your savior, you're forgiven past, present, and future, you are covered by the precious blood of Jesus. You know, as Brits, especially as Brits, and I can say that because I am one, and I've lived, in, I've lived in different parts of the world, but here's what I realize with us Brits. We love to make things right. Do good, get good. If I do good, if I do all the right things, I'll get good, and God turns around. He, Jesus turns around and says, so often, I do bad and get good. What? Sometimes I mess up and God blesses me. I say, God, I don't deserve that. He says, I know you don't. It's not about what you deserve. It's about I'm your father. And I love you. Romans 2 forces, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with us? Does this mean nothing to us? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn us from our sin? Do you know what happens when we experience the grace of God? It actually repels us from doing the same things again. It does the very opposite. We think if we, if we receive grace, we're just going to do it again. But you, do you know what? At Bible school, it was the biggest wake-up call I've ever had. 
It was, it was just this, 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 you're forgiven, but it didn't, want me, it didn't make me want to go and do the same thing again. It actually pushed me away from doing those things. Did I still make mistakes? Absolutely. But it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance and change in people's lives and our lives. That's truly the power of grace. It leads us to change. Number one, grace can do more for you than sin has done to you. Number two, grace is received, not achieved. Number three, now this is a big one, and it's a difficult one. Grace is given to be given. Grace is given to be given. I think we're all thankful for the grace of God. We're all thankful, but receiving grace is free, but showing grace is costly. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, I think that by this time, Zacchaeus and Jesus, they'd probably had a chat offline. I think there's some details in the Bible maybe we didn't hear about. Jesus had some one-on-ones, and I think there was probably some home truths, but there was a lot of grace here. Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, by the way, Zacchaeus, you'd have. It's not an if, you have. I will pay back four times the amount. Okay, so let's just remind ourselves, we've got a criminal, a crook, a con man. Jesus comes along and says, I'm coming for some dinner, and I want to show you grace, what you don't earn, what you don't deserve. Come down, they have a private chat offline, and suddenly Zacchaeus, he says, I don't want to be a con man anymore. I don't want to rip people off. I don't want to steal. He says, in fact, I don't just want to stop doing it. I want to put things right. Those people I ripped off, that single mum down the road that I, oh my goodness. In fact, I'm going to give her four times what I took from her. I'll give half of what I have to put this right. Do you see what the power of grace, a grace revolution in someone's life? It doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. I wonder who God is whispering in our ears today to show more grace to. Maybe it's a spouse, an employer, a child. Maybe it's a family member. But God is saying today that grace is given to be given. Maybe what people need right now isn't a load of truth, it's just some grace in your family. Maybe people don't need any home truths. Maybe they just need some heavenly grace. Because often we, we want to fix things. I'm a fixer. Often it's the grace of God. Maybe a bunch of flowers for someone this week. Maybe a hug. Maybe, maybe a conversation, whatever it is, to go, grace has been given to me so it can be given to someone else. Number four is grace is available to everyone right now. Jesus said to him, I love this bit. Zacchaeus, come here. Today, salvation I'm in your house and I know this house has probably had some pretty dodgy things that have been taking place but now this house is a house of salvation God wants to save you he calls him by name he says Zacchaeus come down out of that tree immediately he calls him by name I want to encourage you today God knows your name God knows you by name I see a crowd but God knows your name I don't know your name and I probably will struggle to learn everyone's names, especially as the church grows, but God knows your name. 
He knows your background. He knows where you're at. He knows your hurts, your pains, your disappointments. He knows everything about you and yet he still loves you. God does not see the crowd here today. He sees the individuals. He knows your name. God is a personal God. Zacchaeus. He says this, he says, come down immediately. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus ever hurries anyone up. Jesus was just a, he just quietly went about doing good. But in this story, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, get down here immediately. Now, if my mum or dad growing up or a teacher ever told me to come somewhere immediately, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Who knows when you add immediately, it ain't good. Immediately. I think Zacchaeus must have been petrified when he heard Jesus say, come down immediately, quickly. He was thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to shame me publicly. I think that Jesus thought this. He didn't want Zacchaeus to live one more minute in shame. One more minute in guilt. He could see the guilt and the shame in his eyes. He could see the pain that he caused others. He said, I want to release you from this as quick as I can. So get down here immediately. You're not in trouble. I've actually got a gift for you. It's the gift of grace. And when it comes to salvation, church, don't wait one minute longer to live in darkness. Don't remain one minute longer lost today. God's grace is available right now. Jesus didn't come for the most deserving. He came for the least deserving. He came for those who've made mistakes like John Norman at Bible school. He came for those who'd messed it up. He came for those whose marriage didn't work out. He came for those who've messed it up. He came for the addicts. He came for the broken. He came from the hurting. He came for you. He came for me. He didn't come for everyone who's got it all together. He actually came for the ones who've got their lives falling apart. Now here's here's what happened in the Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s. We all need Jesus, we just don't recognize it. You didn't know you needed an iPhone till you got it. Now if I took that off you, you'd be lost. You would, because we can't live without our smartphones. Once you know and you recognize Jesus, you will not be able to live without him. Once you recognize that you need a savior, you cannot do this life alone anymore. My, my job today, I'm gonna do it as best as I can, is to help you recognize that you need Jesus. Because once you recognize it, you will never, ever, ever look back. When Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, everything changed. When the hippies and the druggies of the 60s and 70s in Southern California encountered Jesus, everything changed. Today, the same will happen for you. Whatever has happened in your life, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, the message is this today come to Jesus who needs to come to Jesus lift the hand if you need to come to Jesus today 
you need to experience the grace of God. You need to become a Christian. Just lift your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. If you've never encountered Christ, thank you. Anyone else? Say, that's me. Thank you. Anyone else? Say, I need to encounter Jesus. I've tried to do this life on my own. I can't do it. Anyone else? Say, that's me. God bless you. Anyone else? Come on. Let's. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I want to encounter Jesus. God bless you. Let's stand together. Grace can do more for you than sin has done to you. We are declaring a New Year's revolution, but a New Year's revolution begins with a grace revolution. Experiencing the grace of God. You can't earn what we're about to talk about. You can't deserve, none of us deserve it, but you can freely receive His forgiveness today. So I'm going to pray right now. In fact, I'm going to ask our whole church to pray. If you're watching online, you've never experienced the grace of God. You've never made a decision to follow Christ or you've wandered away. But this morning you're saying, I'm coming home. I want you to pray this prayer out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. You lifted your hand, or maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you felt a coming home moment. You felt God's grace. Our team are going to be outside in the foyers afterwards, just holding up a Gospel of Mark. It's a Bible. We encourage you to receive that. And uh, we'll give you some more information about some of the courses we run, like Follow Jesus, to help you take steps forward. But that's a great decision that you made today. Thanks again for tuning in. If you said yes to Jesus today by saying the salvation prayer, we'd love for you to email connections at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision you just made. And if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, head to soulchurch.com. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching at soulchurch.uk. Take care and God bless.